0: But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Creation Today Theology Series, posted November 20th, 2018, titled, Are There Secular Writings About Jesus?
1: For years then, we haven't even copyrighted our material. We allow people to copy it, to give it away. That's what we want. Are there secular writings about Jesus? A lot of people ask that kind of question, and what do we have outside of scripture that that coincides or confirms what the Bible
0: says? It's not really science, but it is a good question. Let's see where this goes. Welcome to Apologia, where a former Christian takes a look at the claims of Christians. If you're new to the channel, you should tap the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when new science, theology, and news videos are posted. If you're returning, you're likely familiar with Eric Hovind, the head of Creation Today Ministries. And it's possible you're familiar with Tim Chafee. He's the Answers in Genesis employee who wrote most of the signs in Ken Ham's Ark Encounter, three Noah fanfiction novels, and is the six-foot-six-inch giant who modeled for the actual giant in the Ark's infamous gladiator diorama. Well, Tim and Eric recently began a podcast together called Bible Q&A. Since this is only the third podcast,
1: and we only have one listener, it's my mom. I think it's okay that my mom knows that, yes. That transitions perfect into what we want to do and what we want this podcast to be about. You and I get to interact with skeptics on a regular basis and
0: answer their questions. Do you do any of that interaction online? I see a lot of people posing questions to you on Twitter and Facebook. But very, very rarely do you reply there. I see the comment section for this video is closed, so the interaction isn't on YouTube. As I've done before, Eric, I'd like to issue you an open invitation to talk with me anytime on any number of topics on a YouTube channel of your choosing. I can think of several who might volunteer. If you're interested, drop me a line.
1: You kind of have a different vision for this podcast, don't you?
2: I do. It's not that we're avoiding questions from skeptics, but we don't want to turn this into a podcast that's that's just about
0: answering questions from the skeptics. We really want this to be more about questions that believers are struggling with. This is unsurprising. The two ministries represented here are designed almost exclusively to affirm believers rather than to seriously attempt to change the mind of a non-believer. Still, since my channel is about addressing the claims of Christians in general, I think it'll be worth looking at what they have to say, regardless of to whom they're saying it. If you're a skeptic and you're listening, you know, you're welcome to con- continue
2: to do so. Thank-, thank you for listening. But if you spam the inbox over and over and over again, we're not going to go through all your questions right in a row.
1: We know you just copied and pasted from Google anyway. Skeptics just copy and paste from Google?
0: Come on, Eric. I don't accuse you of just copying and pasting from your dad's seminars. I said, you really ought to get one, you know. You could learn some good science on a merry-go-round.
1: If you ever have a merry-go-round handy, you need to do a little science experiment.
2: If you put some fourth graders on there,
1: what I do is I get three fourth graders and I put them on a merry-go-round.
2: <laughs> All right, I like fourth graders. I spent the best five years of my life in the fourth grade.
0: I spent the best five years of my life in fourth grader. This podcast video looks great. It's just a nice little break to see Eric not trying to sell anything or promote his Genesis Paradise Lost movie. We talked about Doing a, a segment on the show where we have like a featured product. Well, we haven't yeah. done that yet, and we're we haven't
2: quite coming up. We haven't come up with a jingle or anything if we're going to do that. But uh, no big sponsors yet. Yeah, no big. There we go. So um, just for our first featured product, if you will, or, or what, what have you been working on lately? Tell them a little bit.
1: Well, we just released last November Genesis Paradise Lost, and
0: we've been. Oh well, so much
2: for that.
1: What about outside the Bible? Are there authentic secular writings? about
2: Jesus. Tim, tell me what you think. Yeah, I think that's a great question, and and I don't think that one came from Jason being
0: skeptical. Uh,
2: You know, sometimes skeptics will ask that question. In fact, they ask that one a lot. Uh, They'll just say the Bible's the only source for the life of Jesus, and and since those writers had an agenda, you can't trust them.
0: Generally, a skeptical person would avoid absolute statements on any topic, so it seems problematic to declare that someone with an agenda can't be trusted. What would make sense is to recognize when someone has a bias or an agenda, and weigh that as one factor into the amount of confidence you attribute to the accuracy of what they are saying. When it comes to the Bible, there are lots of factors that weigh into our confidence level, like what is the genre of the writing? Do we know who did the writing, and how did they receive the information? What kind of claims are being made, etc.? So you got to find somebody who is neutral, somebody who who doesn't have this bias, and listen to them. All things being equal, you should have more confidence in a neutral perspective than a biased one. If there's a two-vehicle collision, the testimony of an uninvolved witness will generally give a less skewed version than that of either driver, each of whom will obviously and naturally tend to be more sympathetic to their own circumstance. Well, are you going to be able to find somebody who doesn't have a bias for or against Jesus during that time period? It seems like, in that time period, virtually no one knew who Jesus was. His following hadn't saturated culture yet, and apocalyptic preachers were a dime a dozen. Other than the disciples, Jesus' family, and a handful of Roman officials, virtually everyone was unbiased toward Jesus. A lot of these skeptics who are making these
2: claims, who are saying there's no uh, secular writings about Jesus, there's no uh, writings outside of the
0: Bible about Jesus, don't they have a bias? To to try to disprove scripture or try to say that the Bible's got errors? This is more of a straight factual question than an opinion-based one, and you acknowledge already that the person who asked the question wasn't being skeptical, so the very same question can be asked with equal sincerity with different attitudes. I honestly don't see how the bias of the question asker affects the answer to a fact-based question. It doesn't matter which team I cheer for when I ask what the score in the game is.
2: It isn't about whether you have a bias or
0: not, because we all have one. It's about... What's true? What's real? I couldn't agree more. So why are you spending all this time talking about bias? Surely it is the bias of the question answerer and not the question asker that is important. And here, let me give you an example of
2: a, a couple of quotes from skeptics. Here's from the film Zeitgeist. And uh, this is one that I'm not...
0: Christians, you don't need to watch this film. Skeptics probably don't need to watch the film either. The scholarship presented in the movie is at best uneven and at worst somewhat suspect. There are more academic presentations of the arguments elsewhere. See the description for a few suggestions.
2: Furthermore, is there any non-biblical historical evidence of any person living with the name Jesus, the son of Mary, who traveled about with 12 followers, healing
0: people, and the like? Okay, well that sounds like an honest question that could be asked by either a faithful Christian or a hardened skeptic without knowing which was which. It's a straightforward yes or no question that makes no judgments about Jesus whatsoever. There are numerous historians who lived in and around the Mediterranean either during or soon after the assumed life of Jesus. How many of these historians document such a figure? Again, just a straightforward question asking for a simple count. Not one. All right, well, the film attempts to provide a count. Given the agenda of the film, I'm willing to remain skeptical of the answer provided, though I still see no bias in the question being asked. I'm sure Eric or Tim will let us know what the answer is.
1: That's very dogmatic of them to say. Oh, yeah,
0: absolutely. We can't tell from Tim's reading if the film's answer of zero was a good faith count on their survey of sources or some kind of over-the-top assertion. But as Tim said, it's all about the facts and not about bias. So I'm sure we'll eventually get to the factual answer to this question. Here's another guy that says, Devastating to
2: historians, there occurs not a single contemporary writing that mentions Jesus. All documents about Jesus came well after the life of the alleged Jesus from either unknown authors, people who had never met an earthly Jesus, or from fraudulent, mythical, or
0: allegorical writings. Okay, there's some subjectivity in this preamble. We haven't got to the question yet. There are good facts here, too. The Gospels are anonymous. Paul's encounter with Jesus was described as a vision, not a physical encounter. Certainly, classifying a writing as fraudulent, mythical, or allegorical is in the realm of subjectivity rather than certainty. But this isn't the question yet. Let's see what he asks. Where are all the
2: contemporary sources for the life of Jesus?
0: You can't count the Bible, there's a statement, because they all had an agenda and the Gospels were written a generation or two later. I don't think the question writer needed to pose bias as a reason to exclude the New Testament from his question, as the time of the writing of the material is enough to qualify the count. Taken on their own without the preamble, his real questions, where are the contemporary sources for the life of Jesus? and why didn't Roman or Jewish historians write about him, are perfectly objective questions to ask. People say you can't trust the Bible because they, they get their bias. The fully expressed bias of the Gospel writers is just one among a number of reasons that not every claim in them should be given a high confidence in historical accuracy. The authors are anonymous. They don't claim to be eyewitnesses. They were written lifetimes after the events they describe. They copy from each other, so cannot be considered independent. And yet, even so, they contradict each other. Here's the issue. The claim that these guys are making is that Jesus didn't even exist. It's not that he didn't do all of these things. Or, I don't know that I could trust the miracle stories, but yeah, there was probably a guy. Some of these skeptics are saying he didn't even exist. Among the small handful of credentialed scholars who don't think that Jesus was historical, they say that it is more likely that Jesus didn't exist, rather than say that he definitely didn't exist. History deals only with probabilities, so the claim would be that Jesus probably didn't exist. But I digress. I'm generally willing to take the position Tim suggests here, granting that there probably was a guy named Jesus, but that we don't have supporting evidence for the miracles of Jesus. Honestly, I wish the question that was being covered was, are there authentic secular writings about the miracles of Jesus? Because I think that's the more interesting one.
2: (laughs) But So it's not just one source you have to deny. You have to deny eight early sources who knew him or met him. And several of them, all of them, but but one, walked around with two. but two, Luke and Paul, walked around with him and talked with him
0: and, and lived with him for some time. With Luke and Paul aside, there's actually six sources. Now, three of these sources, Matthew, Mark, and John, never actually identify themselves in the text, so the books are anonymous. Nor do any of the texts attributed to them even claim that the author is a witness. And Matthew, supposedly the apostle, copied almost all of Mark word for word which is particularly strange since it would mean the eyewitness apostle is copying the non-eyewitness scribe for some reason. If we accept the latter traditions about authorship, the letters of James, Peter, and Jude are generally considered by textual critics to be forgeries, but checking that can be homework for you. Or wait for an upcoming video I'm producing on the topic of who wrote the Bible. Let's talk about some of the secular writers. That was the the question. Well, the first one, I don't know if that's fair
2: to call him secular, but Josephus. (laughs) So he was a Jewish general who was captured during the revolt against the Romans. And he records the history of the Roman conquest of Israel, which happened in AD 70 and the the years leading up to that. And then he wrote a history of the Jewish people. But here's what he wrote about Jesus. He's talking about James. And he says, James is called the brother of Jesus. Who was called the christ
0: now josephus is not saying that jesus is the christ the messiah but he's saying that he was called that i can go with that i'm glad that tim acknowledges that this is a report about what people say about jesus now here's a statement that gets called into question a lot and if you pick up a
2: book on josephus it's translated in english you're probably going to find this statement now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was one who wrought surprising feats. He was the Christ. He appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. Does that sound like something a Jewish man who did not believe in Jesus as the Messiah would say?
1: You would never say he rose from the dead three days later. I mean, that was the and,
2: that was the taboo. And, and, that was you can't go
0: right, there. And he was the Christ? So it sounds like some later Christian embellished the writings of Josephus. Again, points to Tim and Eric for acknowledging the consensus view of latter forgery or interpolation, for a more polite phrasing, on this passage. Here's what scholars have done: they've gone back and they looked
2: at the different versions that we have of Josephus, even in the different languages, and they pieced together what they think is probably what he said. And so here's the statement: Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, for he was a doer of startling deeds, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. And he gained a following both among the Jews and many of, the, of Greek origin. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of principal men among us, amongst us, condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him. And the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct at this day.
0: Third century historian, Origen of Alexandria, vigorously defended Jesus using the James passage from Josephus, yet mentions nothing about this longer disputed passage from Josephus, the Testimonium Flavianum, as it is known, which is a highly suspicious omission. If that passage had existed at the time, he probably would have used it. Nevertheless, most historians who have studied Josephus agree that the original manuscript probably included some kind of mention of Jesus. Many Christians concentrate on this affirmation that Jesus was killed on a cross. But Romans at the time were killing people on crosses en masse every single day. So that in and of itself isn't an outlandish claim. I'm most curious about the inclusion of the phrase startling deeds as part of Josephus' original text, since that's as close as we've come to an extra-biblical confirmation of miracles working backwards to attempt to recreate what might have been Josephus' original words is a highly speculative endeavor. I found a copy of the book by James Dunn that Tim quotes here so that I could find out more about the methodology for the claims made. The first thing I noted was that Tim's slide doesn't match what Dunn has in his book on the very page Tim references, teacher of men instead of teacher of people, at the suggestion of instead of because of an accusation made, and other minor variations. Not sure what to make of this inaccurate quote, but I hope Tim is looking at primary sources for his information. I know we'd all like to be as accurate as possible. Rather than the exposition I was hoping for, Dunn spends only a single sentence talking about this. The first passage has clearly been subject to Christian redaction, but there is a broad consensus that Josephus wrote something like the following. The footnote for the phrase broad consensus reads, See particularly, Gaze of Vermes. The Jesus notice of Josephus re-examined, J.J.S. 38, 1987, 1-10, who points out that the two key phrases, a wise man, a doer of startling deeds, are characteristic of Josephus and, so far as the possibility of an interpolation is concerned, improbably Christian. See further, Charlesworth, Jesus, 91-98, to and Van Voorst, Jesus, 89-99. Unfortunately, I couldn't secure a copy of Verma's 1987 study, but did track down the third one referenced. Van Voorst also says that the Greek phrase, which he translates as amazing deeds, is not likely to come from a Christian. However, Van Voorst says that the phrase could equally be translated as controversial deeds, and that the whole sentence can be read to mean that Jesus had a reputation as a wonder worker. If that is correct, we're back to this whole thing just being a report about what people believed about Jesus, rather than events that were historically verified. So, he's
2: still writing about Jesus, and he's still saying things that are consistent with what the New Testament says, but he's not saying, I believe these things happen, he's just saying, here's what's reported. Exactly. Josephus is telling us what
0: other people are claiming.
2: Another uh, historian is uh, is named Thallus. He wrote in Greek, and he uh, flourished around the uh, mid-50s. So within 20 years or so of the resurrection, he wrote a three-volume history of the world, Unfortunately, his writings are lost other than being quoted by Julius
0: Africanus. Julius Africanus was a second-century Christian whose primary contribution to the church was to influence later writer Eusebius. In fact, we don't have Julius Africanus' writings any longer. The passage will be Eusebius, quoting Julius Africanus, commenting on Thallus. The game of telephone is getting long on this one. And here's what he said. On the whole world, there
2: pressed a most fearful darkness, and the rocks were rent by an earthquake. The many places in Judea and other districts were thrown down. This darkness, Thallus, in the third book of his history, called as appears to me without reason, an eclipse of the sun. So, Thallus is trying to make sense of the uh, the darkness on the land while Jesus is on the cross. We
0: don't actually know the context of what Thallus was calling an eclipse, because we don't have Thallus writings. We know that Eusebius is quoting Julius Africanus, dismissing a vaguely described claim of someone he disagrees with. We all know that falsely representing an opponent's claim happens all the time, whether deliberate or through genuine misunderstanding. talking about the crucifixion. He's talking about the darkness on the land. We don't know what Thallus was talking about. Julius didn't even provide a direct quote from Thallus. So there's three already. Two. There's two already. Josephus and Thallus. And no one says that Thallus was talking about Jesus. Thallus said something about an eclipse, which everyone agrees couldn't have happened during the Passover that may or may not have had something to do with alleged darkness on the day of Jesus' death.
2: Yeah, well, we got more. Um, <laughs> we got How, how many are well, there? Well, let, let, let me read a few more statements. Plenty of the younger. We'll, we'll zip through some of these, and people can follow along on the slide. He's a Roman author, lived, born in AD 61, and dies in 112. He says, they, talking about Christians, were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light, when they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ, as to a God. So what did he say? He said that the early Christians were worshiping Christ as God.
0: You're shifting around here, Tim. Are you trying to find passages that would lend to the historicity of Jesus as a person? If so, this passage merely tells us that people existed who believed Jesus was God. Without grounding Jesus at all, this passage might actually help make the case that Jesus wasn't a physical person. How about Tacitus, a Roman historian who lived through the reigns of over six emperors
2: uh, from AD 55 through 120? So here's what he said. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a, class of, on a class hated for their abominations, called Christians by the populace. Christus, that's Latin for Christ, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate. Where have we heard that
0: before? Personally, I think this is the most solid, extra-biblical affirmation of a historical Jesus who died. Of all the people mentioned so far, Tacitus' Roman connections would have put him in a position to verify if someone called Christ was crucified by Pilate. In other passages, Tacitus discusses how he despises and refuses to take his information from hearsay, and in other places critiques his sources when he doubts their veracity, and he makes no such complaint here. One could point out that Tacitus uses Christ, which is a title and not a name. Technically, there's nothing here that specifically identifies the Christ of whom Tacitus speaks to Jesus of Nazareth. Technically. And a most mischievous uh, mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out. And this is where Tacitus walks it all back or at least destroys the idea that he might affirm any supernatural claims. For to Tacitus, everything the Christians were preaching could be dismissed as mischievous superstition. Uh, Suetonius, who lived in,
2: from AD 69 to 130, the chief secretary
0: of Emperor Hadrian and had access to the imperial records, he said
2: because the Jews at Rome caused continuous disturbances at the instigation of Crestus, he expelled them from the city. Again, it's just a misspelling of a misspelling of Christus, which is the Latin name for Jesus
0: or for Christ. No, no, you can't confidently say Crestus is just a misspelling of Christ any more than you can say that Greg is automatically a misspelling of Craig, so that Craig would get all the blame for writing Greg on the sidewalk. The words sound similar, but Christos was itself a proper name, meaning good, righteous, or useful, while Christos meant anointed or Messiah. It could be a misspelling, but we can't know that it was. Given the timing and context of the sentence, even the most biblically optimistic scholars felt that this would be a reference to the expulsion of believers mentioned in Acts 18. So even in the best-case scenario, even this is a reference to what Christians believed, rather than an affirmation that a historical Jesus existed. After the Great Fire at Rome, punishments were also inflicted on the Christians, a sect professing a new and mischievous religious belief. This more affirms that these historians felt the claims being made were false, not accurate events. Lucian in in the second century AD. Um, He's a Greek satirist, uh, and he said that he criticized Christians for being gullible people. This is almost like saying that Ricky Gervais critiquing a Bible story should be taken as evidence that Ricky is affirming the truth of the Bible story.
1: God looked at them and said to himself, they are so wicked, I will have to wipe them off the face of the earth. Really? (laughs) Really? Straight to genocide? (laughs) So one verbal and two written warnings.
2: (laughs) That would be wrong. So there's a bunch of secular writers, well-known popular historians of the time, who
0: wrote about Jesus, who were within the first few generations after Jesus. Well, I could have said yes to the question of are there extra-biblical references to the name of Jesus in the first two centuries? What else do the skeptics want? What I would want are extra-biblical references to what Jesus did, rather than merely reporting the beliefs of his followers. I want affirmation of the miracles, the supernatural part. Not that a man named Jesus died. Every man living in the first century died. That's not an interesting claim.
1: That's amazing. That really is cool. I mean, to to just hear one quote after another, after another, external from the scriptures, which is what I'm most familiar with, uh, that's, I don't know, to me, that's encouraging. It's a, it's faith building. It's I, I know it's
0: true, but it's like, I, yep, I really, really know it's true. You know, I, everything keeps confirming. I suppose that if you start with the belief and want some possible confirmations, these references could help reassure. However, if you start from a position of not knowing whether Jesus existed, or if he performed miracles or rose from the dead, I think you'd have to admit that these secular snippets wouldn't do much to make the case any stronger. And yet, they treat the Bible as if it is guilty until proven innocent rather than innocent until proven guilty. Tim must mean guilty of being false, so innocent would mean true. That's strangely worded. The court analogy would be better expressed the other way, Guilt means that the prosecution has proven their case beyond a reasonable doubt. Can the Bible be convicted of being true? If the evidence were presented to an impartial jury, would these stories in the Bible be convicted of being true? If you set aside all preconceived ideas and sat on that jury, how would you rule? Questions,
1: Tim? I love this. This is educational me, and I appreciate hey,
0: it. I'm happy to do it and I'm having a good time so far. If you've been having a good time, make your next video the top one where I talk about Tim and Eric's claims about the resurrection of Jesus or the bottom one where I talk about Eric's creation science ideas. Thanks for watching. Until next time. Later.